Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast. If you're a business owner, work in corporate, or have a side hustle you're passionate about, you're going to want to stick around because I promise to ask the tough questions and talk about the things others shy away from. You know, what it's really like to own a business and be chronically ill. I'm going to give you that push you need towards following your dreams and be the friend you come back to week after week to talk about the real things in life and in business. If you have goals and are working towards them, if you're determined to be successful no matter what life's obstacles get in the way, this podcast is for you. Dream big and tune in. Welcome back to the Sick and Successful Podcast. This is your host, Natalie Supez. I'm excited to announce we have a very special guest with us today. Before I get into that, I do want to say I still have laryngitis. So again, excuse the voice. It is just not healing as well as I thought it would. Yeah, so let's jump right into it. We've got Erin Bowdy with us today. She is an Enneagram expert, leadership coach, and behaviorist who spent more than 20 years in director positions And in support of leaders who are ready to up-level their business, teams, and ultimately their lives, she is here to share her perspectives, expertise, and passion for creating brave, kind, and a just world. Welcome, Erin. Thank you for having me, Natalie. This is really fun. Thank you for being here. For those, well, actually nobody would know, but Erin and I have been trying to get on a podcast probably since like October of 2022. Yeah, I went on a interview break for a few months because I was just burnt out so bad. And then I believe Aaron had to reschedule once or twice. I had to reschedule once or twice. We're now into April of 2023. So it's like uh, over, I don't know how many months, but I'm excited to finally do it. Yeah. Welcome here. Well, thank you for having me. I kind of asked you this before we got recording, but tell us a little bit more about what an Enneagram expert behavioralist is and what do you do? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I love my job and that's the fun part of being able to figure yourself out. And that's what ultimately the Enneagram has helped me do and helped others do is help us understand the why that lives underneath behavior. Behavior is just a picture of what we do. It's a picture of our adaptability and our cleverness and what we learn in life and that becomes habit. And the Enneagram sort of helps us tell why those habits are important to us. And if we can sort of add language to that why, we can have a little more grace and compassion for ourselves and others as we build the sort of personal systems and life systems that we want that help us show up as our best selves. So I have the privilege of helping lots of businesswomen figure out who they are and how they want to live and work. That's so cool. So it's so many different personality tests out there, like There's literally so many of them. I know when I was in corporate, we did, what are they called? I forget, but it had colors. It had four different colors. And then there's like all, just all of the different ones. What made you choose Enneagram and kind of dial into that one? That's a really amazing question. So I am trained in Myers-Briggs. I'm trained in the DISC assessment. I've done strength training, DISC. Um, there's the color profile, there's ones that help you pick your animal, there's all these things. And ultimately what these sort of like static 
algorithmic tests do is just bucket behavior, right? And they try to find trends in the what we do, right? I might be outgoing or I might be creative or maybe I'm someone who doesn't like the rules or whatever it is. And I try to put you in a bucket around your behavior. And while that's really good in a context and they're really helpful in a work or a team sitting, they are limited. They're narrow because when you change the context, you change the personality, you change the behavior essentially, right? So that's where you get people who are like, well, I'm different at work than I am at home. I'm different with my girlfriends than I am with my partner, right? And what we get to see is this picture of human complexity, right? We learn how to shapeshift and mask and what's safe and what's not safe. And all of that was really helpful in leadership development until I discovered the Enneagram, which is about 13 years ago. I was in a week-long training to use it in the work that I was doing at the time. And I was blown away because it got way underneath the what I do and tied to the why I do it. And my undergraduate degree is in human development. And so it tied into the developmental things and coping and I was just blown away. Like this is such an effective tool for building more than understanding and really building compassion. And I think that's, and anywhere where we're working with other people, we just probably need a whole lot more of that. That is so, I love it. Excuse my, like, I don't know. I forget what the Enneagram is. The Enneagram where it tells you like, you're this number and like, this one is your number, this strength, this is your, okay. Yeah, that's that exactly cool right. For me. I would love if you, we had you back on and I actually did it. And then we could kind of talk about that too. Yeah. Because I think that would give some insight also, but how do you use it? Maybe tell us a little bit what a day-to-day is for you with your clients and like how you're using it to help them with their business. Oh, I love this stuff. So yes, Natalie, we need to type you. We need, I, I want to take you through the typing yes. process. And I think you- I've done it, to be honest. I'm pretty sure I've done it. I've done them all. So yeah, yeah. buried in my emails and I didn't know what to do with it. And I was like, okay, cool. We'll we'll have some fun and and reacclimate you and you can see it start to finish. But ultimately, as I work with individuals, when we go through like a typing consultation, it's face-to-face or zoom to zoom, really. (laughs) Um, I can see you. And I take you through a bunch of questions and I essentially become the algorithm. And I've done about 2000 of them over the last 13 years. And so I have enough practice to start to pick and pull at the habits. And what's complicated about the Enneagram is that it talks about nine sort of numbers, nine archetypes of behavior, but underneath it, there's three subtypes within each. So we're actually looking at 27 potential characteristics, right? And so it's a lot, it's a lot more nuanced. There's a lot more mistyping that happens. And so I love like bunking that and and figuring it out. It's so fun. How long does it take? Sorry, about an hour. An hour. No, no, no. An hour. Yeah. It's super easy. So we're definitely going to do this. Yeah. And with the information, it sort of kicks open a door where you and I are using the same language to describe what's important to you. And then with that, we can hold it against life, right? So I use the Enneagram as a tool. It's sort of the thread I weave through life and work. And I believe that personal development is professional development and vice versa, right? We're not a different person in one place than we are in the other. We might mask, we might cope or shift, 
but we're not different. And so that motivation can help us make decisions around what do I actually need to bring out the best version of me in any given situation or scenario. And so I'll give you a perfect example. I was working with this woman who was a director at a not-for-profit and really came to me because she's like, I can't stay in my job. I want to leave. And I was like, okay, before you quit your job, let's like get underneath it, right? Because that's a behavior and that doesn't tell me anything. Let's get underneath it. And ultimately there is a type one, which might not mean anything to a lot of people, but ultimately this particular type is what we would call the reformer. They believe that they're sort of consistently not good enough. And so they're always improving themselves, right? They don't know how to put it down and stop making themselves better. And so she had learned at work that she should be really afraid. Like these were like internal thoughts, right? Not conscious thoughts. I should be really afraid of using my voice in front of board members and other leaders, because if I make a mistake, they'll think that I don't know what I'm doing or that I'm not smart or, you know, and so her whole body was sort of protecting her from making mistakes because she had learned over her life that mistakes were bad. And so she wasn't using her voice. She wasn't, you know, and type ones are also very like moral and ethical and just people. So she wants to make a difference. She wants it to be purposeful. And in the end, it wasn't anything about her job. It was about learning to recover from mistakes. And so as a behaviorist, I'm helping her change her behavior, but we don't go to work to do it, right? That's the scariest, unsafest place. So we came into her house, into her kitchen with her girls, and she would allow her kiddos to put her dishes away for her. And she's the kind of person who liked it all sort of put together. And the girls would sort of open the silverware drawer and dump it in. And her body's like, ah, you know, I can't have a messy silverware. And she would practice all of her techniques. And over time, she got comfortable with the help of her kiddos and the mess that it created, and she could tolerate mistakes. And over time, she realized I could open my voice in a board meeting and not say it perfectly and I'll be okay. And so after like three or four months, she's like, I actually really love my job. I just needed to come forward more, right? And so it's that kind of stuff that is super fun for me because we can find just the right sort of hack that helps people make the shift. Okay. That is so important. It makes me think of a story where my husband's been helping around the house more. I've just asked and asked for help just because it's, we're as women, typically we just take it on or a lot of us will take it on, but he's been helping. And yesterday he's loading the dishwasher and like the plates are backwards. I'm putting air quotes because like, how are they backwards in a dishwasher? I'm looking and the bowls are like touching each other. I'm like, they're not going to get washed. And the cups are on the bottom rack and I like them on the top rack. And I had to like step back and be like, do you want him to help? Or do you want to critique the way he's right. doing it right? Like, obviously it doesn't matter. They're going to get washed. Mm-hmm. And it's been something that I've been practicing a lot. I actually relate with her a lot. It's hard to do. So that's so cool having your support and like someone who understands it to be able to say like, take a sense instead of just trying to analyze it yourself, which I think a lot of us do, mm-hmm. especially as entrepreneurs or as strong women when we're right. trying to make a difference. A lot of us are self-reflective and internal, but it's so cool to have an outside perspective that, like you said, you're a behavioralist. So you actually know, and it's not just like, Hmm, am I doing this wrong? Or is this just me? I love that. Tell us a bit more about who do you work with? What does your business look like? What Mm -hmm. do you 
do you work with? You mentioned someone in corporate. So do you, or I guess corporate non-for-profit do you work with? Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> yeah. I tend to work with leaders and I don't necessarily mean leaders who are responsible for folks' you know, performance reviews. Although I do have those kinds of individuals that I work with. It, there are people who are influential like in their field or who are change makers, trying to make a difference, people who are really ready to up-level the resources of self so they can continue to make you know, an impact. You know, you have a thriving business and you help entrepreneurs too. This work is tough. It's, it's tough. tough. And so I tend to work with women who want to do the work, yeah. right? People fall off pretty quickly with me when they realize like, this is not therapy, yeah. This is like, you know, hitting the gym. Kind of like, yeah. Yeah. We're going to lift some weights and the, the weights are around your ego and around the structure that supports it. And so I'm really, really grateful. I have clients all over the world, which I'm so grateful for virtual allowing us to do that and yeah. all different kinds of businesses from photography to sex education, to therapy, to corporate HR directors. So it's really fun for me. That's so cool. It's so cool. And it, it is true because being a business owner or a leader in general, you don't have even in like director or leader roles in corporate. It is the most personal development thing you could <laughs> ever do. I had no idea. I always was an entrepreneur kind of side hustler. But when I went <laughs> all in and when your business dips or when things happen and you're like, there's nothing I don't think that can test you as much as running a business and then running a business with employees. It's yeah. So having support is so necessary and and having the insight into like, how can I make this a little bit easier on myself? Like you said, mm -hmm. weave that thread through mm -hmm. everyday life because once you, when you are that stressed in your business and it is testing you in every way, if you have a thread that can kind of help you see things in a way, one way or another, it can help yeah. you with day to day life too. Like, and kind yes. of take stress off and give you direction. I often talk about, how I had a lot of intellectual and cognitive knowledge, right? I have a undergrad and a graduate degree. I'm finishing my PhD in industrial and organizational psychology wow. and nothing taught me as much as having two kids. My oldest is special Amen. needs <laughs> and being not in an able body, right? Like having nothing taught me. And it wasn't until I had to parent and then I had to parent from a place of not feeling well, that all of what I learned got integrated and I had to practice. And I'm like, oh, this is why I learned all of this. That's so cool. That's so so cool. yeah, I think that's it. That's really I'm it. The rest of our life is teaching and guiding us as much, if not more than what we do in any work setting. Exactly. Or what we've learned in typical studies, right? That we've yep. courses or university or whatever it is that you do that think you think like, I'm going to get this certificate and I'm going to know step-by-step <laughs> how to be an entrepreneur, or how to be a business owner, or how to whatever. Didn't know. <laughs> yes, that's exactly oh. right. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned not being an able body. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah. I think that's what I was like really, you're such a cool person being able to like capture the whole human. And that's been a journey for me. I've, I've had four reconstructed ankle surgeries. I had it fused about two years ago and I'd gotten to the point where it was, we tried this fusion, which they typically do on 80 year olds, right? I'm 42 and I have 
like an 80 year old body. (laughs) Um, And it was this or, or amputate it, right? Like this is where I'm at in my journey. And like I mentioned, I'm, I'm a mom of two kids, you know, I've got this full life and I made the decision. What happened to your ankle? That's no, it's a good question. The short story is I think I didn't ask enough questions when I was younger. I used to run a lot. I used to compete in triathlons and I think I just have wobbly ligaments and I didn't know it at the time and it had shifted the structure of my ankle joint. And so an orthopedic surgeon saw it and said, I think we need to take off your heel and reattach it and realign your joint structure. And I was like, okay, you know better than me. Let's do this. And when they moved the bones, they literally like saw my heel off and move it. My whole joint collapsed. I lost all of the structure in my joint. And so then they tried to repair that a couple of times and could never get it repaired. And so then the fusion just screwed all my bones together. So I have no mobility. My ankle's trapped like this. So I can't run anymore. I can't jump. I walk permanently with a limp. I need a cane. Like I just am not mobile anymore. I went from this triathlete to like, it's called me the broken foot. And my son is six. And he's like, if there were real dinosaurs in the world, mom would get eaten first. You know? oh, I say that. Oh, I, I just said that on the weekend. I'm like, if I was born even like three generations ago, I wouldn't have made it very long. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you get it. You know, I think it was just a combination of errors and it's been really helpful for me to not woulda, coulda, shoulda, because yeah. a lot of people were like, you should sue that doctor. Or you probably didn't need this surgery. I'm like, yes, all of that is probably true. And this is where I am right now. And I need to make peace with this body because it's really strong and it's doing its best and it's serving me in this phase of my life. And so when I had the fusion, I had just really launched the business on my own without working contract under other people's businesses. And I was on bed rest for six months. Oh my gosh. And I was running. No better time to do thinking and creating than in bed rest. That's where I started ideating my business was on the hospital bed, in a hospital bed. Yeah, Yeah. you get get me. Yeah, I I get it a medical tray next to my bed with my computer on it with my leg elevated because I had to leave it up for six months. Oh my God. As I'm like, okay, what do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah, literally. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can relate so hard. I was in corporate. I was working a corporate job and I'm laying in the hospital bed for a few weeks. I forget exactly what that day was. I ended up on a crazy medication, but I, I have the notebook still where I was like, What's my brand voice? I had no idea what the business was. I'm like, I know I'm entrepreneur. I know I'm going to make a difference. I'm like, is it a t-shirt making company? So I started like drawing little t-shirts and I have like all of the, my values and things like that. But it's interesting how a chronic illness can really make you take a step back from the crazy. I know your ankle isn't a chronic illness per se, but I think when I say sickness, it it is anything, mental health, physical health. Ever it makes you take a step back and think, dang, life's short. And I'm it so grateful that I get to have these procedures that can help me get to where I can get. Also, what can make me be such a happy person and mm-hmm. be in gratitude for the things that maybe other people, like you said, were like, you should sue him, you should do this. I have similar stories with medical professionals, but 
what is that going to do? Then I'm going to be in, in perpetual anger about this situation. Right. Not going to change. Doesn't matter what I do looking back in the past. I can improve yeah. it going forward, but I'm not going to change it by being angry. So like, what yeah. can I do to make my life a better place? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I mean, I had to relearn how to walk, right? Every mechanic in my body changed and it took me probably about four months to just refigure out what that gait felt like for me and putting weight on it. And when I first started learning how to walk, I developed shingles because the pain was so gnarly. The pain hasn't gone away from me every step I take. I feel it. And so that's the part for me that's chronic is I'm just going to live with a high level of pain. It's such a teacher. It doesn't mean that it doesn't absolutely suck. And I have days where I'm mad and angry and I am not a Pollyanna and I don't want to like paint that picture, but it is such a teacher too, about how much control you have over your experiences through your thoughts, even controlling the impact of pain, right? The anticipation of it. And of course I would love a healthy, able body. And also it's opened a part of my world that I'm really, really grateful for the amount of passion I have around advocacy and justice and the resilience that I've developed. I'm like, I don't know that I'd want to trade that, although it would be nice to. <laughs> I, yep. I say it all the time. Like I wouldn't be who I am today. It would be great to not be in pain as well, but like, I wouldn't be here in this seat if it wasn't for yeah. what I've gone through. Do you feel like you bring your experience into your work? And if so, how do you think like it's impacted those six months, but just in general, how you do what you do? Yeah, I think it forced me to be authentic. And I think, again, you'll really resonate. Corporate teaches you how to perform and depending on the system, honestly. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, for sure. And I was really good at that. I was really good at being what leaders needed me to be. And this whole experience forced me to find myself and my voice and my authenticity. And I think because of that, my clients and I create a space together where we can both be really who we are. And some of those days I might be in pain and that has to come with me but it allows them to be themselves too. And sometimes the work is really fun and great. And sometimes the work is really hard and we can hold space for that. And so I'm grateful for those lessons. I like how you said that because it's interesting when I think about it in my business, sick and successful. When I reschedule, cause I'm sick, we rescheduled, I don't know, six times. Most people would cancel. Like, yeah. Because of the authenticity of what we share and who we are and just being straight up honest, people come at it in a more, I don't know, just in a different way, not just clients, but employees and yes, yeah, just like co like partnerships, all of the above, because mm-hmm. it's so hard nowadays to find someone who's being really authentic, you mm-hmm. know, where are they? Because you go yeah. on social media and Obviously, it's my our job as a company to show our clients authenticity. So I know where to find them. But in general, <laughs> scrolling, it's like, is everybody's yeah. life really perfect? Is no one struggling with anything? What yeah. is 
happening. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's a philosophy that I carry in my business. I don't have a rescheduling policy. My clients don't ever miss their time with me because having an autistic daughter and a disabled body means that I don't always control life. And so sometimes things come up and I've never had anybody abuse it ever. Exactly. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I'm so passionate about this podcast. It just shows people it's possible and you don't have to let whatever is limiting you in life. Mm -hmm. A lot of the times it's just mindset. Like not that your limitation wasn't physical and it really literally limited you, but you got on your computer with that tray, you know, and you Mm -hmm. did wanted to do and it was hard, but like, what was the alternative really? Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I, that's right. It's right. I mean, it's a choice and it's also, you know, I have an incredible support system with my husband and my family and I have all of those beautiful things too. Right. But yes, it was my choice to, to keep at it. And I believe in yourself. Yeah. yeah Cause that can be easily dropped when you're in pain. Like if I know that like when I get into a flare, it's like, do I even want to run this business? Should I get another job? Like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain. And instantly my mind goes to negative because we're humans, right? It's so mm-hmm. normal. So I'm not shaming anybody who's not following their passions or their right. highest dreams. It's just, you do get to step towards whatever makes you happy, whatever that means. Yes. Yeah. I love this analogy of exactly what you're talking about. And I think a lot of women can resonate with it. It's like trying on a pair of jeans, right? We live in a world that says we should be the sisterhood of traveling pants. And we should all be able to wear this exact pair of jeans and they should fit great and hide our butt cracks and my mom boots (laughs) and everything in between, right? And it's just not the case. You have to go and try on 30 pairs before you find the one that really feels good. But yet so much of what we are coached around behavior is this one pair of jeans should fit everybody. And I feel really empowered to keep trying things and setting them down if they don't work or don't fit for me until I can find a business or clients or the way I show up for myself or how I manage my pain that works for me. That is exactly what you're saying, that we should feel empowered to do that. Yeah, to live the life that we want to live and not let whatever it is happening to to hold us back from that. Because it's, it's, right. yeah, it it's, can be the easy thing to do is just be like, well, this happened to me, whatever it was. I'm thinking of someone I know. I'm not going to, there's no way they're going to listen to this. It's like a friend of a friend, someone coworker got into a car accident and like they are milking it. Their corporate job, it's affecting everybody around them. They're taking a bunch of time off and that could be the easy route. And who who knows what's going on with them? I'm not saying whatever. It can be easier to go the direction of like, I tried, it failed, Mm -hmm. my business failed, I didn't hit the goal I wanted to hit, or Mm -hmm. I didn't get the client I wanted to get. But I think what illness has taught me is there's always going to be another way. And it's in our branding is we think outside of the box. We don't think outside of the box. We create a new box. I love that. It's like step towards happiness. And it doesn't mean you have to start a big business. It could literally mean that you I don't know, take a music singing course on your computer when you're stuck in bed. I don't know. But yeah. There's ways yeah. that we can improve our lives and, and be the best versions of us with the, the cards that we're dealt. Yeah. I so, love that. I love it too. I love it too. Tell me I'm like in my marketing brain because we're doing an event today and we're doing a bunch of stuff. 
tell me, what do you do? How do you attract the ideal clients? Where are you finding them? How do you look for them? Who I am, I could not be more lucky or blessed, or I don't know what you want to call it. A hundred percent of my business comes from referrals. Wow. I, there's just not words for me to express the gratitude that I experience when my people share their people. I think that is maybe the biggest compliment someone can give you is I really think you should meet my friend. And so I have a lot of clients who purchase typing interviews for their friends as gifts or friends who are in different corporate jobs who introduce me, or I just get invited to speak at someone's women's group and it just kind of trickles from there. The, I think the other side of it too, is I'm pretty protective over my time boundaries. I overworked in corporate. I mean, I just 70 plus hours a week and I'm working hard to be a whole person, which includes some alone time, some time with my kids. So I really limit my availability compared to the past, right? I'm sure when I tell people what I work, they'd be like, that's not limiting it, but it is. Agreed, agreed, agreed. (laughs) So I often have enough, right? Like I have enough work and enough to do that I'm just really satisfied with. So what did you do those six months when you just started your business? How did you get it from the ground up in bed? Talking to people, getting over my shyness. I am probably what people would call like an omnivert, like I'm an introverted extrovert. When I'm talking about things I'm passionate about, my skills, my competence, my ability, you can get me on a stage in front of thousands, which I've done, but you put me in a new situation. I'm the girl in the back of the room. (laughs) Same, same. So, like, oh my gosh. I had to get over that in a lot of ways and just talk to people and put myself out there. And thank goodness for the internet. I've met the most amazing women. We connected through Hello7 and groups like that. It's mastermind, it's coaching, it's networking, events like you're doing. That is ultimately the thing that has allowed me to really get my feet wet and get started. I agree. And it's such a thing. Like, I feel like it can almost be forgotten sometimes is you can really grow a business by word of mouth and also by getting into the right room so mm-hmm. that your name can be spoken in rooms you're not able to be in, right? Yes. Seven is, I guess it's a monthly membership group. For those of you that don't know, it's called We Should All Be Millionaires run by Rachel Rogers. But like even our event, it's today. So you won't be able to join it because this podcast will come out in a couple of weeks. But there is another one in May. It's on May 24th, I believe, another one in June. Awesome. And it's a speed networking event. The reason I did it is because I went to a Canadian one. And for eight-minute intervals, you get to meet with industry professionals and really just flex the muscle of using your elevator pitch and getting getting out there and maybe finding your next client or your next partnership or just business bestie. But I wanted to host it for the community. So if you're listening... Make sure you sign up. We'll make sure we'll put the link in the bio, but it is a really fun way to just start meeting, start connecting. Like you said, you were asked to be in women's groups or on stages and things like that. Those opportunities typically don't come from Googling in an application. Like <laughs> most of the time, That's it's right. someone knew someone or you did something for your work works for itself and your personality. And 
you have to get out there and it can be hard. I've talked about it lots this year because my word is connection. So I've gone to like way too many networking events than I wanted to this year. I'm the same. I'm in the back of the room. The first few minutes, like they are not fun, but they really do result in like the most amazing opportunities. So I love that we touched on that. Yeah. This is again, where like the Enneagram is really informative because knowing your personality may also help you understand the barriers Mm -hmm. around those kinds of things, like what holds you back or why do you thrive in them? Why do you, why do you feel recharged after them? So we can be more intentional because all of that is body-based work, right? It's like nervous system work to be able to understand why do I need a few minutes at the back of the room? Oh, because I'm tender hearted in new spaces because I don't, vulnerability makes me feel exposed and I don't like rejection and like I can name all of that. So then I can do really deep connecting work with myself or my safe people before So that I don't need this event to make me feel safe. I already come in feeling safe. Yeah, I like that. That's so Yeah. So is there anything you want to talk to our audience about before we get into how they can work with you? Yeah, I think the last thing I think is really helpful and why I love the Enneagram is it's a meant to be a communal tool, right? People working with people, whether that's client facing, whether that family, whether that's your spouse or your kids. And what we know from relationship research is that 69% of the problems we have with other people, we can't solve. They're unsolvable problems. And we spend too much time in the world trying to solve the problems and not enough time learning how to manage or recover from these problems, right? Why do we have the same fights with our partners or our kids or (laughs) that person at work drive me crazy, right? And we recognize that the Enneagram becomes a management tool. It helps me understand what my tender parts are, how I build compassion for myself, and how I actually recover emotionally, physically, how I change my thought patterns so that I can be part of the solution around that 69%, not just frustrated by it. So that's my favorite thing to do with it. That is so important and such a great tool to have like in your toolbox of being a human general. Yeah. 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 Amazing. So the red carpet is yours. How can our audience work with you? How can they get a hold of you? What do you got going on? Well, I'm a huge believer in making the Enneagram more accessible. It's a complicated model. It took me four years to really master it. It's hard to read a book about it. And a lot of what you find on social media is really watered down and filtered. So I have created a lot of places where you can go for free and accessible resources. So if you check out Living the Enneagram on Instagram, my LinkedIn bio has a bunch of free digital downloads, including a typing guide. So you can get started with self-typing. The online test, the best one is only 46% accurate. So it's our job to fill in the rest, right? All of that nuance. So I offer typing guides and reading lists and uh, tools to practice presence and things to integrate along with on my Instagram is a link to my YouTube channel where I have a bunch of videos to learn about different aspects of the model, as well as panels. So you can see all three of a particular type answering the same questions. And my hope is that people can use these tools and self-identify type and get really, really clear underneath the nuance. So I'd love it for people to check that out. 
give me a follow. Let me know what's resonating. And if you get stuck, don't hesitate to reach out. I love helping people break through type because once you know type, the rest is just about you finding the genes that fit. Mm, That's so cool. And you have a course or a membership or something coming up in September? I do coaching, both one-on-one and group coaching. So that's my group coaching program. And it's really meant around in like how we influence ourselves so we can influence others. That whole construct of like, if I'm smart, I'll be confident and then I'll add value. I like to flip it. How do I feel my value so that I can use my smarts and my confidence to impact the world? So I like that so much. So yeah. cool. they can find that on your Instagram link in bio as well. Yep. It's all of there. Course, we'll make sure we link everything down below. Thank you so much, Erin. I hope to have you back and maybe we can do the typing on the podcast or like take parts <laughs> of it. I think that would be so fun for people to see. Definitely. Get a Definitely. feel of what it's kind of like to not do the online test. Yeah. I'd love it. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me course. Remember, dream big. It's possible for you and your next version of success is around the corner. Mwah.